Pastor Roland, are you ready? Awesome. Thank you, LJ. Good morning, everybody. As LJ said, my name is Roland. I'm the lead pastor here. That's what they told me last. So um, I'll claim it for now. Uh, and good morning, everybody. Um, I just, before we start, I just want to pray for our city, if we can do that. A lot has happened uh, last week. We had a second shooting, uh, I think the second in five or six years. And so anytime something like that happens, there's, there's trauma that could possibly take place. And thank God it wasn't uh, anywhere near what it was the last time. Uh, but there was loss of life. And so I just, I just, the pastoral side just wants to pray. Is that okay? So Father, thank you for this city of Las Vegas that you called us to be in. Lord, that you've called us to serve. And Lord, we, we see ourselves working at different places and, and participating in different things. And Lord, that's, that's secondary. Because you live in our hearts. The first mission that you've given us is to love this city and to reach this city. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would cover what happened last week. Father, we remember those who... Um, lost a loved one. Uh, we remember um, those who uh, were, might have been in the vicinity or in the room and, and I could just imagine the gunshots being played over and over. I imagine the images maybe being played over and over. Lord, I just pray for grace for them and peace, uh, oh God, that they can get past this. Uh, so, Lord, I just um, pray that you would love them and serve them and provide the peace and strength that they need that only you can, you can give. Lord, we'll fall short every single time. But Lord, you never fail. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would go and you would meet with them. Father, I pray for salvation. I pray this would be an open door for people to come to know you, to get to know you, oh God. And I just plead the blood of Jesus over our city. Lord, I, I pray against any, any more violence like that, oh God. Lord, I pray against terrorist attacks. Lord, I pray for us and our families. Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name, we are covered by your blood. We are divinely protected. Angels, we just dispatch you right now to go and to cover us and to be with us. Every, every road we drive on, every building we enter, every place we go, Lord, we say we are protected divinely because we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, well, thank you for allowing me uh, to do that, um, and now we move on. How many know it is Christmas season? And it is full on, complete with the cold weather and the crazy drivers. It's, it is Christmas season, and everywhere you go, there's Christmas music playing. How many play Christmas music in your car? Just curious. Okay, those are my people. I love Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the feeling that you get, and I especially Love the music. I love Christmas songs. Um, Jericho, give it up for Jericho, huh? But I appreciate just that song, Come Let Us Adore Him. You know, the old Christmas hymns were written with depth. And so the whole world is singing these songs. How many know God's going to be glorified one way or the other? And so I love Christmas songs, and I appreciated that, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him. Uh, this morning, this morning, but you know what you don't see a lot of nowadays? You don't see Christmas carolers. I mean, when's the last time Christmas carolers came to your house? Anybody? 
Okay, I see. And so the last time I was actually privileged because about a year ago, Christmas carolers came to my house. And I mean, they were all in outfits. And I mean, my, my family just happened, my, my wife's family just happened to be there. Um, and so we were, you know, doing it up. We had, you know, all this food. And then out of nowhere, we didn't even expect it. It was a complete surprise. There's this doorbell. We go, we answer, and there's this group of people when it was exciting and I got some of it on video and so bear with me okay about two minutes or so we're gonna let this go okay I want you to get into the Christmas spirit because you guys were quiet this morning go ahead dude Elf came to my house Elf came to my house what? Call, call Zach and Diane um, it's a, I brought a gift wait a minute hold on that's a Filipino house you can tell by the shoes Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. Mingle the holiday, you can see the light in the eyes of the Mouth, you know the words. Like uh, Dr. John. The Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. Then we'll have some pumpkin pie and we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear whole thing, okay? Come on. Don't you dare turn it off, Chris. He's got the choreography going. Oh, yeah. I love it. Don't worry, it's almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> oh, what's up? Oh, you know they got it going on. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices singing, let's be jolly. Wasn't that cool? That'll get you in the spirit, won't it? <laughs> awesome, awesome. That was a that was a huge blessing. It's funny because when I opened the door, my we had we had a bunch of dogs back then. Some of y'all know the story. But one of them got out, and I didn't know that was our dog. So I thought they were giving us a puppy. And I was like, no, please, we don't need any more. That's why you heard me going, this is crazy. I don't know if you heard me in the... Uh... But anyway, I thought we would lead in with a Christmas carol because we're going to get into the Bible, and there's a Christmas carol that was written by somebody that you might know, a biblical character who's very popular by the name of Mary. And so in Luke chapter 1, she actually writes a song. And if you um, go to Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 40, 46 through 48. If you're in your Bible or if you're in your Bible app, you're going to see a subheading above those verses. And it's called Mary's Song. Uh, theologians and scholars know it as the Magnificat of Mary or Mary's Magnificat. 
Um, and so we're going to read that today. And what makes this Christmas song significant is the context in which it was written. It was written in preparation for, of course, the very first Christmas. Jesus wasn't even born yet, but he was in the oven. He just wasn't done yet. He was about to make his entrance. And so Mary is pregnant with the Messiah. And, um, you know, here she's pregnant with the Messiah. And for us that live on this side of history, we can look at Jesus and he's such a blessing. He died for us. He, he did everything he said he was going to be, everything the angels announced. We get to be on this side and say, Jesus, you're all that and some, right? And it's a blessing. But when the angels announced Jesus' birth to Mary, it wasn't quite good news. I mean, here's the gospel himself in the womb. And the angels say he is coming. And it caused problems for Mary. It wasn't such great news. And so you realize back in that context and that culture that she was pregnant and not completely married yet. And that because, you know, Joseph knew that he wasn't the baby daddy, he, knew, he was like, I'm out. The Bible says he was planning to secretly leave her. And so Mary has all of these problems, like serious Serious problems. And so what comes forth from that set of problems, I mean, her whole life was about to change. If Joseph would have left her, she would have had no way to provide for her or any children because back in those days, women didn't have the same privilege as men and, and to work wasn't, wasn't a thing. And so she would be by herself. She would be rejected from society, uh, rejected from, you know, her, her family and so, I mean, it's just, it just keeps going on and on and on. And from all of this stuff comes this song. Now, you would think that because of what she was going through, the song would come out kind of depressing, right? And, you know, kind of like a, you know, like a country song. You know, my you know, husband left me and so did my dog, you know, I don't know, I guess I'll be sleeping with the hogs. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. That's what should have been written from Mary's heart because of everything she's going through. But we're going to see that's not what happened. It's not what happened. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 48. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's the first line. Now, you got to remember that they were running from Herod. They were running for their lives, trying to save her baby because Herod heard about the Messiah. And he started killing all the children under two years old in hopes of catching Jesus and killing him. And so they're in hiding for their lives. That's the first line. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would reveal with your Holy Spirit. Lord, your word. Because this song was written and given for our uh, encouragement 
and for our instruction, Lord, and for our, to, for our inspiration. Oh God, I pray we would be like Mary today. Father, in that no matter what we're going through in our lives, the songs that we write, what comes from our heart, would be songs that exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's this song written in the midst of all these problems, and despite the problems, she writes this beautiful, beautiful song inspired by revelation of the Holy Spirit and given to us again for our encouragement and for our instruction. There's some instruction in this. Just that first line alone is so heavy with revelation. We're going to get into it. But it's for the moving of our souls towards praise and adoration of God. And so she begins with this. My soul magnifies. I've never done this before, but I want my first point to be in the form of a question. First point is this. What do you magnify? What do you magnify? Now, uh, give me a second because I brought something with me to help. I feel kind of, kind of like, a, um, like a celebrity. You know how they go in the crowd. You might have seen one of these and they're a little bit different than when I was a kid. A magnifying glass, right? Mine's fancy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> hold on. A magnifying glass. The purpose, oh see, it even dim. Okay. The purpose of a magnifying glass is to fix a focus on something to make it appear bigger or larger, right? So what do you magnify? Some people magnify success or a career or money. Some people magnify knowledge. That's their goal is to be the smartest person and know the most. Sometimes it's an object like possessions, like a house or a car or expensive clothing. Any, any sneaker heads here? Don't lie. Just saying, yeah, just saying, yep. God just exposed Eric. You're, <laughs> I think you need to give some of those away, man. No, okay. <laughs> Sometimes we magnify emotions like power or control or acceptance or reputation or attention. But what's most applicable, I think, in our day and time, probably across the board for everybody, and this is going to apply to our message today, and that's that many of us magnify our problems. We magnify our problems. And our soul is constantly yearning and longing for something. And God created it that way. So we're going to take a look at this word, because... You know what really inspired this whole entire message was those three words in that first verse. Soul magnifies and Lord. And man, this, this just started flying at me. So we're going to look at this word soul. The Greek word for soul is suke. I'm not going to spell it because then you guys are going to think I'm not smart. But the meaning is this. 
that word which is translated to soul is the essence of a person, the seat of feelings, where your feelings sit, also where your desires are and where your affections are. That is the soul. And so we're all on this journey of filling our emptiness and satisfying this perpetual longing that we have. And it turns out that there's a word for that. It's a German word. I'm going to throw a lot of words at you today, okay? And the word I'm probably going to butcher, but it's sensucht. Sensucht. I don't know if that, any Germans in here. Thank God. <laughs> All right. But it's a word that C.S. Lewis used in his writing, which means longing or pining or yearning. And sensucht, it, ha it has something to do with the possibility of attaining something more or attaining something that's, that's better. And so that feeling drives us to find the answers in so many other things. So when we allow our emotions and our affections and our feelings and our desires to lead us instead of God leading us, that's where we start to get into some trouble, right? So things like possessions and problems or a person or a thing. I can remember in high school, I was crazy about cars. Actually, that's probably still applicable today, right? But in high school, I was really, really, really crazy about cars. That's probably still applicable. <laughs> yeah, I need to visit you. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have uh, friends that work at these car dealerships. And so whenever a car comes in and it's, you know, I get to drive all the cool stuff. So um, maybe we can hang out one day and I'll see how much trouble we can get us into. But, um, but, but here's the point that I was trying to make is that my dad, growing up around him, he was a Mustang freak. And so about the time when I was in high school, it was the Fox body Mustang, the kind of the square, the square body. And it was the 5.0. It was the first time the 5.0 came out. You guys remember those? And they were, they were all the heat back then. And so my dad, between me and my dad, we've owned, and my brother, we've owned five. That's how much we are, we, we love these cars. And for me, that's, that's all I wanted was a Mustang 5.0. And so back then, before knowing God, the object of my affection was this car. And I remember my dad going to Europe and he had to leave his car behind. I was a junior in high school with a Mustang. Can you imagine? And so, but things, they grip us like that. Our, 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 our emotions and they, they go after things. And so again, other people, it might be, it might be other things. Nothing wrong with them unless you focus on them and you make them bigger than God. That's when it becomes a problem. So what do you magnify? Look at somebody, turn to them and say, hey, what do you magnify? <laughs> See, some of y'all are scared. Like, <laughs> Why did I start with this question? Because here's what we know. The things you magnify become the things you glorify. Let me say that one more time. The things you magnify 
become the things that you glorify. And when you glorify something, it can be considered a form of worship. There's a place in the Bible in Jeremiah where God says, let no man glory in my presence. When you glorify something so much that everything else becomes a secondary thing. And how many know God does not like to be secondary? God wants to be first. And when you glorify something, again, the, the, the technical term would be idolatry. Idolatry is when you take God off of his throne and you replace it with something else. And so you can tell what someone glorifies because it tends to consume them. It's all they focus on. It's all they talk about. It's all they show. Whenever they show up, that's what comes out their mouth first. That's the image they portray. And so you glorify your problems when you allow them to consume you. And how do you counter that? Here's how. You focus on God. That's how you counter that. That's how you magnify him. When you realize the greater the size of your God, the smaller the size of anything else, including your problems, including any issues, whether they're your fault or not. Mary said, I'm not going to magnify my problems or my fears. I'm going to magnify my Lord. Soul, we talked about that. Magnifies, let's talk about that. Magnify, the Greek word is megaluno. It means this. It means to make great. It means to declare one's greatness. So to magnify means that thing only gets big or that person only gets big when you make it that that's what it means to magnify. And here's the thing is we have a choice of what we want to magnify. A thing, a person, a, a, uh, a you know what I'm trying to say, an attitude or a belief. To make great, to declare one's greatness. And who did Mary magnify? So she magnified the Lord. She said, my soul, my soul, everything within me, my soul, every emotion, my soul, every affection that I have magnifies the Lord. She made God great in the midst of her situation. She declared the greatness of the Lord. Now, let's talk about that word Lord. We said soul magnifies Lord, right? My soul magnifies the Lord. Okay, I'm making sure I'm not missing anything. The Greek word for Lord is kurios. It means boss. And it means master. And it means having authority and ownership. And so we find our identity not just in who we are, but whose we are. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Because the person you belong to is the one who calls the shots.
And so we started with a question, and I'm going to begin to tie this up because I want to spend a little time on the back end. It's crazy. It's, all, it's, all, it's almost 1130. Who do you belong to? Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus boss? Is Jesus in authority? And what's crazy about this whole entire message is like we said in the beginning, God created us to yearn. God created us to long for something. And because if, if we ever are at the place where we haven't discovered him yet, that's why we go run to other things. And we, we find fulfillment in other things. And how many of you have found temporary fulfillment before? And you're like, wow, this is great. And you find out it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Who do you belong to? There's another word that is translated as Lord, and this word comes from the Old Testament, and it's a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for Lord is Adonai. Adonai. And what Adonai means is to show reverence. So you have one element of God being in charge, and if you trust him, you'll allow him to be in charge. And then you have this other element of him being Adonai. It's a reverent word. It means you bow your heart. And so when we obey him, because when you look at the biblical word of love, really what it boils down to is obedience. And so God says, if you love me, you will obey me. That's, that's, that's God's language. That's what he uses. And so Adonai being a reverent word, meaning when we do what he says, when we follow him, when we obey, we are showing reverence to him. When we don't obey, it's opposite and it's irreverent. And so I don't know about you, I don't ever want to be irreverent before God and I have so many times because nobody here is perfect. When we don't obey, it's irreverent. So what you magnify, you will glorify. Who should we magnify? The Lord. We should magnify the Lord. Like Mary, our souls should magnify the Lord. And when we magnify God, this is my final point, believe it or not. When we magnify God, we find fulfillment that we've been looking for the whole time but we find fulfillment in his purpose. And when we find fulfillment in God's purpose, then he is glorified. You see how it works. If we do things his way, and we find him and we submit to him, we get everything that we've been longing for. Because he's the only one who could fill that void. Not only that, we find our purpose. And when we live our purpose in God, He's glorified. That's the way all of this works. 
We're in this sermon series. It's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Everything else in this world will leave us empty. I know many people, and you do too, who have attained a certain stature or have made it to a certain place and have acquired great things only to find out later they're still unsatisfied. But the God who brings fulfillment and satisfies our souls, he made a way. He came close to us. He is Emmanuel, God who is with us. And so while we feel like we're struggling to find him, or we feel like we're struggling to find purpose or fulfillment, little do we know or realize that he came to us and he made it possible so that we wouldn't have to try or work. And when God is glorified in our lives, he walks with you. When God is glorified in your life, God talks with you. When God is glorified in your life, he satisfies you. And so this yearning and this longing that we've had, that we were created with, was meant to bring us on this journey until we find him. That's the end result. That's what God wanted all along. That's why we are the way we are. You can feel a little bit good about yourself. So it's not my fault. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But God created you that way so that you would look and search until you find him. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you taste and see for who he really is, there's no going back. There just isn't. DJ, you can come up. No one satisfies like Jesus does. Mary was overwhelmed with revelation of God's goodness. She was overwhelmed by his realness. Mary's song was filled not just with reverence, it was filled with adoration. Because Mary understood her needs. Mary needed a savior. Mary wasn't perfect. Mary was not sinless. And so this verse is probably the first place where we see an example of, of worship of Mary. I don't know who this is for, but I just want to say something. When it says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and, and nursed you, right? Jesus didn't go, yeah, yeah, that's right. And Jesus didn't, didn't promote her to some reverent level. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. She's blessed the way we are blessed. And if you obey the way Mary obeyed, you will be blessed. And if you love and sacrifice the way Mary did, you could be called blessed. Nowhere does it say that Mary answers prayers or forgives. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, and I'm letting you know this is the background that I came out of. 
It's a background that I came out of. Nowhere in the Bible does it say she's immaculate. Jesus is immaculate. Jesus can love you unconditionally. There is no other messenger between man and God, the Bible says, except Jesus. You want the Father, you go through him. That's what the Bible says. Anyway, we didn't finish Mary's song. Let's pick up in verse 50 and then we'll end in prayer. Instead of a depressing hymnal, Mary chose not to magnify her problems. Instead, she chose to magnify the Lord. And when you magnify the Lord, instead of yourself, your desires, or your problems, you write a song about good things like Mary did. Verse 50, here's what she said. In the midst of everything she was going through, her world is falling apart. There's no guarantee that she's going to have a future. And here's what she writes. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She covered everything from the past into her present and into her future. That's the song she wrote. Let me ask you, what does your song sound like right now? What would the mood of the song be? What would the lyrics contain? Would it contain all the negative things in our lives or would it express the same faith that Mary had? Musicians will understand this. Do you start your song in a major key or a minor key? The minor keys kind of come across as sad and deep. She didn't start her song. She wrote this song as, a, as like a celebration. And if Mary can find it, so can we. I know that the Christmas season brings mixed feelings. Some of us miss our, miss our loved ones. Maybe they're not here with us anymore. And so the nostalgia may not be the same. And they say that during the Christmas season, depression actually increases. We hear the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, for some of us it is. And that for others, not so much. This Christmas carol that Mary wrote wasn't a sad one. It was a Merry Christmas carol. M-E-R-R-Y. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, although we've been longing and yearning and we've tried so many things only to be disappointed in the end, and we ask why. And God, why didn't it work out? And why did you take it? 
I had it. Why did you take it? I would encourage you move the magnifying glass off of those things. And not that you even need to point it skyward because God is so big, you don't need a magnifying glass to see him or to find him. He wants to be found. And so Lord, I just ask you, Father, that you would, if there's anybody in here, if that song is sad, Lord, I pray you would change it. Lord, as we begin to shift our focus, Lord, and we begin to magnify you, Lord, I thank you the lyrics can change. As we magnify you, Lord, I thank you the outcome can change. Lord, as we magnify you, Lord, I thank you the feelings and the emotions, our soul, as Mary said, can change and declare praise and worship and adoration unto you because in your future, there is nothing negative. Lord, you have so much in store for us, so much planned for us. God says you can't even imagine, think or imagine what I've got planned for you. Lord, help us to focus on that and not on the other things. Real quick, if you're here uh, and, and nobody looking around, first thing I wanna pray for is if you're here and maybe you're going through something and maybe this message has, has spoken to you. Now you realize maybe I have been focusing on something that I shouldn't put so much focus on. You know what's crazy is the magnifying glass, it makes small things big, but you remove the magnifying glass and that thing is still small. And what I'm saying is compared to God, what you're going through, it's small to him. He can handle it. He can help you. But you need to go to him. If you're here and you say, man, I'm, I'm going through something and I don't understand it and it's heavy. Something just happened. I don't know what your situation is, but if you need prayer this morning, would you raise your hand? I, would, I just want to pray with you. Okay, anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're the God of healing. Lord, your word says by your stripes we are healed. That's past tense. You already did it, Jesus. Father, apply your blood to these. Lord, I pray you cover any trauma or pain or hurt or depression or sadness or confusion. Lord, cover rejection. Holy Spirit, bring healing. Bring healing. If there's somebody here, you feel like you've lost something. Lord, I pray you meet them right where they're at right now. Holy Spirit, go to them. Just allow God to minister to you. never want to leave without giving you an opportunity to come to know who Jesus is and if you're here today and you would say uh, I'm not quite sure if I'm right with him 
Maybe you do know I'm not right with him. It doesn't matter, but if you want to be right with him today, maybe this is new, maybe it's not. But I want to pray with you. If you're here and you want to get to know Jesus and, and, and just seal the deal, make it happen today, would you raise your hand? Is that anybody here? Thank you, Lord, we're family. Father, thank you because you're amazing. Nobody else is like you. Nobody else has done what you did and nobody else is gonna do what you do. Oh God, Lord, you are complete and you make us complete. Father, have your way in us, I pray. And may your name, Jesus, be glorified even in this season, all throughout the world. Father, we just join with heaven what's already going on up there. Lord, let it happen here on earth. And Lord, help us to be the light that this world needs. Lord, you said we are the light of the world. You said whoever walks with you doesn't walk in darkness. And you told us to be the light. Lord, as we leave here today, Lord, help us be the light to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our classmates, to our friends. Send us out from here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.